Hi, Amy. Hi, Maddie. How you doing? I'm doing great. Um, everybody, this is Amy Scott. She's the senior pastor of Deeper Water Ministries. Amy, uh, would you like to go ahead and tell all of our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Amy Scott, as it was just mentioned. I am the senior pastor of Deeper Waters Christian Ministries in uh, good old Portland, Oregon. Technically, we're in Beaverton, but uh, one of the most unchurched areas in the country, by the way. So I figured, why not? Let's start a church here. Yeah, it's the least churched uh, city in in all of America, you know? So we figured, let's start a church and let's do it through a pandemic. Why not? (laughs) That confuses me because if I go outside, there's actually like six churches across the street from my house, just like, you know, bunched up together. Um, I could probably like do a like single mile lap around my neighborhood and just like run into more than 20. We have like a a lot of historic buildings that are are technically churches, but it is the least if you go per capita and the density of population, it is the least um church city in all of america well we all know yeah. that those portland folks are heathens so that doesn't that well, doesn't surprise me too yeah much. We, we we call them portlandites here right we're the portlandites portlandites <laughs> um okay so um so i met amy uh at e3 i hosted her breakout session well i say that that is correct i tried to host her breakout session but what actually happened was the internet crashed we lost everything and i was so upset i actually amy this is a fun a fun fact so um luke and morgan um the two transgender men that were also at e3 Mm -hmm. were kind of the impetus for me wanting to do a podcast like they were the people that made me feel as though i could do this right but but wanting to repay you for that awful technical experience <laughs> was actually why I floated this idea to Sally because I told I told Sally Gary man we really just c- gave Amy the raw end of this deal uh, totally unintentionally but I was like we well, have you know, to make it up to her yeah it's not you like we joke around at you know because I, I own a Medicaid provider agency as well so I'm a pastor and then a business person oh, okay at everywhere I go, I shut down the computers. I mean, I can go to Home Depot and they're like, I don't know why it's running so slow. I travel to Detroit and I get my rental car and they're like, funny, it just stopped working. <laughs> so I take the blame for that. Okay, good. So uh, everybody, if there seems to be a lot of edits in this podcast, it is not yeah. my fault. Blame It's Amy. my aura. I've done it. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Um, Okay, so um, Amy, the first thing I wanted to talk about was your religious history, but then it occurred to me that it would probably make more sense to just talk about your history in general, and if you could just kind of include where you were religiously in various parts of your life, that would probably be the best way to go about it. Okay, so, um, you know, I grew up from a, with a single mom, with four siblings, my my dad was um, shot and killed when I was eight months old by a 14-year-old, uh, so I didn't know him, you know, and so I grew up with the, my mom. She, she had remarried, and she lived, and then divorced, and then lived man-to-man, so we did a lot of traveling. We would move, like, into my grandmother's house, and then to, you know, Washington, then to California, then to Colorado. We did a lot of traveling. There was one uh, 
season in my life where I went to three high schools in one semester. Oh moved gosh. so much. It was it was so just tragic. So when I was a teenager, um, man, I, you know, teenagers is tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a tough year. And then you, you put into this thing, you're traveling all the time. You don't know. Uh, you can't really set down roots anywhere. It was really, really tough. And then, you know, me trying to figure out not only my life journey, but like who I am and, and whatnot. So I was in this really weird place as a teenager, completely lost, uh, completely angry, uh, mad at the world, hating, hating my life, hating my, uh, my childhood, hating my circumstances. And um, not religious, uh, just, but really trying to find my way. And so uh, there was a time um, where my mom, when I was like, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, she would send me to this, we used to live next door to a, a Baptist church. And so she'd send us there. Uh, and I'm thinking, wow, mom, that's so nice of you to send us to church. She wouldn't go, but she, I think she sent us all there so that she can get a break from us, right? Because yeah. there's five of us and I'm the middle of five. So uh, I, I got a little bit of like, you know, I'll call, I guess you call it religion or some kind of like, uh, foundation, I guess, with like church and stuff, but it never really kicked in. When I was uh, 16, uh, I have a cousin um, who had asked me, he said, hey, you want to go to this Christian camp? Uh, it's going to be out in, in Hume Lake, way up in Central California, uh, where, where uh, Yosemite is out in that area. You know, you can go for a week. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'll go. I, my life sucks. Let's, why not? You know? And he's like, okay, it's $250. Now, Back in my day, you know, last year when I was 16, okay, maybe not that long ago, but uh, longer, uh, $250 is a lot of money, especially to a 16-year-old, uh, and we were poor. I mean, I was one of those, we lived in a hotel for a season of time, we were, you know, like a Motel 6. Uh, we, we always were, were going back and forth because of poverty, and I was like, I don't have $250. There's no way that I could um, go to this. He's like, I'll pay your way if you go, and I'm like, Really? well, that's kind of cool. Sure. I'll go, you know? And then, so he paid my way. I tried to get out of it when it came down to, it. I was like, Oh, I don't want to hang out with those Christians. I Christians are like goody tissues and I'm not going to fit in. So, you know, I brought my cigarettes and I brought my guitar and I brought my, you know, foul language. And I brought all of my, you know, my front, my little shield, uh, to this Christian camp. And, um, I don't remember a lot about it. And it's actually, it's in my book. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but, I do remember uh, there was one night, I think it was a Tuesday night or Wednesday night, um, and the, the pastor there, you know, first of all, there was a worship team that was playing a song, and it was, they used my name, and they're like, this person waited too long, they, they wanted to, to um, the, the gospel was shared with them, and um, they rejected it kind of thing, and then they got in a car accident and died, and it's like, wow, that's an incredible worship song, but <laughs> it, it, but they used my name in the song. That was just, a, it was like really weird. And I was like, oh, so just kind of like as a, as a teenager got my attention. And then the pastor started talking about like Bible and, you know, he'd, he'd say, hey, the Bible says this. And then he'd quote the New York Times and the LA Times and say, this stuff's happening here. And, and again, it just got my attention. It didn't really, I was like, well, that's so interesting. And then um, they decided that they wanted to do an altar call. I don't know if you guys do altar calls out there. Um, I'm sure that they do. We definitely you know? do in Baptist churches. I haven't really yeah. seen it elsewhere. Yeah. So they decided to do an altar call. And, and remember, there's there's probably like a thousand teenagers here at this camp. It's a big camp. And the pastor says, hey, you know, after they're done, I said, like, if you're a Christian, stand up. And I'm not a Christian. So 
uh, all the Christians stand up and he's like, I would like you guys to leave. <laughs> and I'm like, go, go have your free time. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. And like, and if you want to rededicate your life to God, or if you want to give your life to God, why don't you um, stay in your chairs and we'll have someone come to you. If you don't get up and leave. And I was like, well, okay, maybe I'll do this. I'll give my life to God. But because I was asking questions and my life was like, I was completely lost. And, you know, mm-hmm. teenage years are, are so difficult. So then the counselor comes up to me and it's like, hey, do you want to ask Jesus in your heart? And I'm like, sure. I don't know what that means, but okay. He's like, well, let's just pray. I'm like, okay. So I close my eyes and silence. And I'm looking at me. He goes, pray. And I'm like, I ain't praying. I don't know how to pray. That's <laughs> you pray. So he prayed for me and we said this prayer and it didn't really do anything. Uh, but again, it got my attention. So I, I, I was going back to the cabin and um, there was a cabin with, I think there was 10 of us in the cabin and there was never a, a moment in time where that cabin was empty. And what, what had happened since they had dismissed everybody, everyone's out doing like campfires, whatever. And so I went to the cabin, I was the only one there. And my cousin had given me um, a Bible that, that used to belong to his girlfriend. So it had these papers in it and it was all marked up with writing. And I was just, I was, I was talking, I was like, hey, I said this prayer, God, and I started talking to God, like, I don't know who you are, but why would you want me? You know, I, I drink, I cuss, I'm promiscuous. I, I, you know, I just, I have a lot of anger. Why would you want me? And I go to open my Bible and this paper fell out and this paper had written on it. It says, I love you very, 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 very much. And at that point, I was like, oh, God. And I started crying. I was like, I don't know who you are, um, but I am willing to at least give this a shot and give you, uh, you know, my life if it, I'll, I'll figure out who you are, if you'll have me. And so um, I've had this encounter with God, this uh, this intimate encounter with Jesus that, that really changed the course and the direction of my life. And so, um, you know, I started going to church uh, pretty regularly. Uh, I went to a Baptist church. I didn't fit in there. I was so awkward. Uh, so then I started to go to this church full of bikers, you know, and I, I, I fit in really well there. I had yeah. a, a metal band. I was able to play, you know, Christian music, uh, a metal song on a Sunday morning. It was so much fun, but I really didn't get a lot of um, understanding of who God was in that season. Very fun season, very needed season. So then I started to, uh, I was at that church for many years and then um, I just kind of felt like I was, you know, someone would ask me a Bible question. I couldn't give them an answer, you know, and I watched so many people struggle and um, I couldn't help them. I, you know, they would say, well, this says this and, and they would completely confound me. I, I don't know. I didn't know what faith. I mean, I knew I knew my relationship with God, but I didn't know anything about his word. So I started to go to um, another church, Bible college, really learn like what what it is in the word and um, have this these experiences with God along the way. And um, yeah, I mean, that's like my spiritual journey uh, coming into the faith kind of thing, you know. Okay, so um, just a quick question. And um, then I (laughs) want to tell you a story about altar calls. So um, altar calls <laughs> in, in, in Texas. I don't do altar calls at my church. <laughs> okay. Bless you. Um, so in, te- in Texas, um, the, the Southern Baptist heritage that I kind of came up under was very hellfire and brimstone. Is that um, how it is, you know, yeah. West and, and North? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I mean, I, I, 
I grew up in the evangelical church, so I was yeah. hardcore evangelical most of my, you know, Christian life. Okay, so yeah, yeah that makes sense. So, okay, I'm going to give everybody that's listening a little peek into the, the Maddie Crotzer experience. So oh, here we go. This will be fun. So uh, whenever I was, I was younger, I had a similar experience to you where, where somebody, I mean, this was completely outside of church though. Somebody came up and said, uh, Maddie, my name was Mark at the time, but Maddie, uh, do you want to be saved by God? I agree. I like Maddie better too. Um, And I, I said, uh, sure, I guess. I mean, I had never been taught that there was an option other than believing in God. So I just kind of thought it was a fact. And um, so this person comes up to me and we, we pray and we say the things that, um, you know, he, these words that I guess were meant to like invite Jesus into your heart and everything. And it was Which a nice aren't moment. Aren't even in the Bible, I, but that's fine. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it was a nice moment, but I had no idea what I had just said. So then I go to right. church, um, and for, for the listeners that, um, you know, have stayed with us throughout the podcast episodes, this is the same church that kicked up the lesbian couple, um, and they, they kept inviting people up to the altar over the different, uh, weeks, and I felt bad because nobody was going to the altar, so, um, one day I, I asked the pastor, like, hey, so, like, can somebody only be saved once in their life? And he said, he said, well, once you're saved, you're saved, but like, you can, you know, come up to the altar, like as many times as you want. So young Maddie feeling bad, that nobody was going up to the altar, went up almost every week. And at some point the pastor had to pull me aside and go, Hey Maddie, you know, you don't actually have to go up there every week. And I was like, well, I just feel bad because like nobody's going yeah, and the people are waiting up there to like invite them to Jesus. And uh, the pastor was like, no, you don't, we don't need somebody to go up there. In fact, the service goes faster. if You know, people don't come up. We want everybody to come up, but you don't have to come by yourself. And I was like, right. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. So that was the last time I was saved. Uh, <laughs> the last time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so far, you know, there's room for growth here. Like, you know, I'm, I'm always open to new ideas. Um, but, uh, okay, so, yeah, that's really interesting. And if you don't mind me asking, at what point in your life did you transition? And did that impact your, your religious journey? Yeah, so um, it's it's kind of a hard question to answer because there's not like, there was never a, on this day I transitioned, right? Sure. So for those who don't know, I am a uh, transgendered uh, goddess. Well, not really a goddess, but <laughs> a pastor, a Christian. Um, so this is weird because I know that like there's certain stories that, that people have and they're valid and it's their story. And I don't want to discredit that. But they say things like, uh, it's not but, they say things like, you know, I knew from early on, you know, when I was two that... Uh, I was born in the wrong body kind of thing. Uh, I never really experienced that. For me, it was more of a process of elimination. Like I, I tried to pour myself into one area and it didn't, it wasn't me. And so I kind of would evolve out of that and go yeah. into another community and it just, it didn't fit. And, and kind of like a process of elimination for me yeah. is what really, uh, so I, I've always been comfortable in my skin. 
Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't transition. I did, but uh, because I've always been, you know, I don't feel like I was born in the wrong body. I mean, look at this body. Just kidding. Totally kidding. Um, <laughs> but um, all I did was align myself with who I am along the way. And it's just, it's been this like really long journey. So um, when, when I gr was growing up, especially as a teenager, young adult, uh, this was before internet. So you didn't have a lot of access to a lot of the things that we have today. So there was no name for those who were trans. I mean, you, you could probably see things in, you know, probably porn magazines where you might see a, a trans person or something, but yeah. there was there was nothing mainstream. There was nothing. Uh, and if people were trans, you didn't know about it because it was so closeted. So uh, when I realized I was trans was probably um, late 90s, maybe. I don't know. It's been a, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Mm -hmm. And um, but I wouldn't even say it's, it, it's such a hard thing to answer. I think that's when I probably got more uh, aware of who I was uh, or who I wasn't. I should say who I wasn't and realizing oh, there's something here. And so. Um, I'm well along in my Christian journey. I'm walking with God uh, as this is all, as I'm working this stuff out. And so I remember I, uh, I had told a church that, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with my um, orientation. Uh, I hadn't done anything for transition at this point. And I had said, you know, I'm really struggling with, I think I am, you know, LGBT. And just saying that to the people in the church, made it to where they completely excommunicated me. I, it wasn't even like wow. I said, I'm not even engaged in this, right? Like I was kicked out of the church. I would, I would walk up to people and um, leaders in the church and I'd say, hi. And they would, they would finish their conversation as if I was not there to walk away and, and then not even acknowledge my presence. And it was brutal. And so uh, I left the church for like five years. I, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I, and I was a leader in the church. I mean, I, I worked with the youth. I, uh, I did a lot of different things, but I just couldn't do it anymore. And, yeah. and because here's, here's the problem. Like I, I really did love God. And, and I know, at least from my experience, um, I've had these experiences with God and I really love God. But my, my dilemma was if it, the church hates me and God's people hate me, and this is what was going on through my head. If God's kids hate me and, and they're, a uh, a reflection of who God is, then maybe God hates me. And this is as a solid Christian. I've already gone to Bible college and I'm just like, but over time I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. So I just completely walked away. Hmm. Um, it was uh, probably about 10 years ago where my mom, she lived in Tennessee in Etowah, Tennessee, a place I would never go because of the humidity. Okay. Uh, you know, but she, I flew her out here. I was having surgery for something or I needed something. And she flew out here for two weeks. I think she was, she was going to help me with something and then vacation. And um, on the last day, she was going to fly out on Monday. And on Sunday, she's like, hey, will you go to church with me? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not doing this. No. But she, you know, she convinced me to go. And I went with her. And then when I was taking the airport, she goes, will you promise to go with me three more? Or will you go three more times? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to go. And she's like, you know, and she, my mom's persuasive. And so I said, fine, I'll go three more times. And so I went to church again uh, without her. I sat in the back. I think someone said, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, you know, F off. I don't want to talk to you. I was really angry. The walls were up. Yeah. And um, I, 
you know, I'm sitting there and, you know, I'm, I, every time that the pastor would talk, I'm like, God, look at them judge me. Look at them, what they're doing. He's such a hypocrite. He hates people like me. And, and, and I, this is, I'd already fully transitioned at this point in this story. So mm -hmm. no one knew I was trans. I'm already, you know, who I am. Uh, I blend in really well with, with society. It's not really a big deal to me. Yeah. So they, and so I'm, I'm having these eternal issues. I go back a second time, uh, which is really my third time, the second time without my mother. And I, and I'm, I'm just so angry and, uh, I go back. Okay. This is my last time. My, my fourth Sunday, third without her. And I see someone in the music scene that I played shows with uh, sitting on the other side. Of church. I'm like, is that who I think it is? So I went after church to go look for her and she was gone. And I was like, mm -hmm. there's no way she's at this church. It made me go back another time. So I went back the next week and I sat over where they were sitting and I couldn't find them. And I look on the other side of the church and they're sitting, I'm like, no. So I actually get out of the church early to go over there to, to meet them outside and they never go out. And I'm like, where are they? So I go another time, one more time, and they're not there at all. So I go to use the bathroom and I come out of the stall and they're standing right there. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And what are you doing here? And so we became really good friends and it kept me going to the church. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I started going to this church. I got involved. Um, I was really angry. I, I'm sorry, this is a long story, but this is, I think no, this is really fine. important I'm, for my I'm journey. I'm completely invested. Go ahead. Good. So uh, I'm invested in this. I'm going to this church and I'm sitting in the back and I'm, the pastor's talking how we love all people and we got to reach all people. And I, I, again, my walls are up and I'm like, God, look at him judge. And I felt like God was tapping me on the shoulder and I'm like, get behind me, Satan. And, and he's like, no, it's me, the Lord. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what? And he, he's like, do you know what you're doing? And I'm like, what? He said, you're judging the man for judging you. You're doing the same thing to him as he's doing to you. And it like, it really like floored me. And it, it, it just tore this brick out of this wall and this wall started to crumble down. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm doing the same thing. And, and rightly so. I mean, yeah, I understand it's coming from pain and there's a lot of people in this place. So I decided, okay, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on this. I'm gonna work this out with you and uh so what would happen is i said you know i will never serve in your church again though because i i can't it's too painful and so he started work on me and i said i started to switch it from never serving in the church to i will never volunteer uh but if someone asked me i won't say no i mean i'm saying this prayer in church to myself not even moving my mouth and the guy comes off the worship team and says hey do you want to join the worship team and I'm like, and Lord said, you said you won't say no. And I said, nope, I'm out. Peace. Gone. I left. But I came back the next week and he's like, come on, really? We want you to join the worship team. I know that you, you're an incredible musician. Will you at least audition? And I was like, okay, I won't say no. So I said, yes, I'll, I'll do it. And then so I auditioned and um, they had me on the worship team. I was on the worship team for about three or four months. And then um, I was coming down. The pastor used to go down to the back of the church, you know, at the end of the service while we're playing the mm -hmm. song and greeting people as they leave. And then I go to get down to leave and he says, Hey, we're going to, we're doing this three week, like course thing, um, with the church. We're all going to go in through like this three week, like whatever, like class of something you're teaching it. And I'm like, no, I'm not. He goes, yeah, you are. And he walked away and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I ended up teaching this three week thing for the class that ended up turning into teaching the book of Romans for two years at the, they were talking about, uh, ordaining me. And then, so I'm there. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not volunteering for anything. If you ask me, I won't 
say no. So then they said, hey, have you thought about joining the women's, uh, women's ministry? I was like, I actually haven't. I said, well, would you be willing to teach for the women, the, the women leadership for a three-week series on Thursday mornings? Um, and I'm like, I said, I won't say no. Sure, I'll teach. So I taught uh, all the leaders, the pastor's wives and everyone for like three weeks. And then um, I got called into the office and I'm thinking, oh, here we go, you know? And I, yeah. I would tell them I was, I was LGBT, like I used to be bisexual is what I would tell them because, mm -hmm. you know, but I wouldn't tell them that I was trans. Uh, yeah. And so I get called in the office and like, hey, so teaching, uh, we want you to join the women's ministry. I'm like, okay, what's that mean? Well, we want you just to, why don't you put on our first retreat? I'm like, put on the first, yeah, just organize the retreat, get everything going and do your thing, get the guest speakers. I'm like, because the women's ministry isn't really flourishing. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. So I started their women's, uh, their, uh, their women's retreat, the first one. I was the, the main speaker. We had multiple speakers, um, got out 50, 50 people going. I organized the, the place where we we're going to go, all the food, all everything, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the spirit of God really moved in this place. People, I mean, it was so cool to see like freedom happen and people, the bonds be broken and, and people dealing with like things that they're struggling with. And um, so at the end of that, uh, I come back to the church and they go, we want you to head up the women's ministry. And I'm like, okay, what's that mean? We want you to be the, the director of the women's ministry and build up this, this ministry so that we can replicate it in Colorado where our, another campus is and replicate it in these other places. I'm like, absolutely. So I became the women ministries director. I, I recruited a whole bunch of people, built up the whole system at, at the church, did that. And then they, uh, I was still teaching on Wednesday nights, teaching the book of Romans. And then the pastor came up to me and said, hey, Amy, what, we're going to start a Wednesday night uh, full-on group of, we're going to have like different breakout sessions and we're going to have a, a class on marriage. And you can teach, if you could teach the book of Revelation, you could teach that. And we're going to have all these things. And what I want you to do is to facilitate the whole thing. Now, I'm a volunteer on all of this. I don't do, it's all, if you ask me, I say, there's, I'm not paid staff. I'm just a volunteer who, who won't say no. Sure. So I... I got all the media team, the worship team, the sound team, the child care, the, the, the circle, what they would call it, which is like the, the greeting team, get all the classes organized. And I was about to, uh, I studied, I mean, I study so much when I teach a book, you know, uh, I studied and it was the Saturday, no, it was the Friday, sorry, it was the Thursday before the Wednesday that we were going to launch. And mm -hmm. the pastor called me when I was at work and says, hey, by the way, uh, I need to know this by Wednesday, but I was told that you're transgendered and now I need to find all this stuff out if it's really true. Uh, I need to look at your birth certificate, which I sent him because my birth certificate's fine. Uh, I need to look at, I need to interview your pastors when you were a kid, your school teachers. Uh, I've been looking through your Facebook page. Uh, you look pretty masculine in some of these pictures. I'm like, I, that is, are you body shaming me? Like what is, what's going on here? And yeah. I need to know all this by Saturday or you can't do it you know and it was like devastating because it just i was like well here we go so saturday came around and said yeah you know what i, I am trans he goes that's great uh you will never be able to serve in this church in any capacity you're not going to be ordained you're i'm going to teach your class i will honor you uh but there are churches for people like you you will not be welcome here you're not going to be happy here uh you can't be in any form of ministry and i was like that's fine whatever he was so worried about a church split so then come the Wednesday night, I had, uh, like I said, I have a Medicaid provider agency. I have about uh, 50 people who work for me. 
uh, we go into homes and we help people with disabilities and we, we kind of okay. stabilize them and things like that. I had invited like 25 people. Uh, I think like 10 of them were from my company who also didn't know that I was trans at the time because it, it was something, and I'm out now, but it was something that wasn't, um, that I just didn't share. And uh, he says, I'm going to honor you. We'll just talk about how uh, we just disagree on the six clobber passages. He didn't say clobber passages, but th that's sure. what we call it. Uh, we agree on everything else. We just don't agree on this. And I'm like, that's fine. He goes, I guess I'll just have to teach the book of Hebrews. I've taught it before and, and I'll take over your class. And I'm like, that's fine. So he goes in there on that Wednesday night and he just says, you know, Amy's not going to teach a class. She's living the homosexual lifestyle. She's living in sin. And um, I mean, people were so angry. They walked out because I had, I, at that point in time, I wasn't dating anybody. I decided to live by the, the, the code of the church. I was honoring that. And so I called the pastor. I'm like, why would you say I'm living the homosexual lifestyle? He's like, well, you are. I said, well, if I'm living the homosexual lifestyle, so are you. He goes, I'm not living the homosexual lifestyle. I go, you are. I said, because I, if I am, I go to work, I go to church and I take care of my kids. Don't you do that? That is my lifestyle. That is all I do. Yeah. You know, he's like, well, you know, we're not asking you to leave, Amy. We're not asking you to leave, but there are churches for, for people like you. And I go, where? Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes, there's one in Seattle. I go, you know, I live four minutes from your church. Seattle's three hours away. You want me to drive three hours to church? You know, there are no churches for people like me. You know, so uh, I left the church that he, it was very, very, it was, I, I was done. I was completely done. I'm never going back to church again. Um, but the girl that I had met when I started going there that I played shows with, she became my best friend and she would not let me not go to church. So she took me to this other church. She goes, Hey, why don't you go to this uh, church called Christ Church in Portland? They're inclusive. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'll go. She's like, no, you're not. I'm taking you because <laughs> she knew I, was, I wasn't going to go. Yeah. So she took me there and, and talked to the pastor and said, hey, can she like do chairs or anything? Can she like get sucked in right now and volunteer right now? And I'm like, I hate you, you know? <laughs> uh, so I got plugged in. I started talking to the pastor and then he introduced me to another pastor and then um, just got really connected again. Uh, but the thing is, I'm like evangelical. So my theology was so much different than, um, and, and nothing wrong, I, I, you know, here's the thing with the church, it, there's so much um, diversity in the church, and I came mm -hmm. from one niche that I just couldn't find, it's like all the other churches were, uh, they, they did, and this is a blanket statement, this isn't all churches, this was just from my experience in that moment of time, is the churches didn't teach the Bible, they, they rejected the Bible, they, they were more about justice and um, you know, which is important and social work, which is important, but they rejected the thing that I love, which was God's word. So mm -hmm. I really struggled with this. So then, uh, to avoid a church split, um, most of the people that I had at the other church said, can you just teach the book of Revelation? You already started it. We'll just do it at, at let's go to another church and just maybe start, you know, teaching it. So we looked around at some churches, rented a space, started teaching the book. Of, I started teaching the book of Revelation. And during that process, the Lord laid it on our heart to start a church because there were no churches like our, like that were inclusive, that were at yeah. the time we were evangelical. We don't associate with even evangelical since the Trump thing, really, because um, yeah. I think it's put a bad name on it. Yeah. But uh, but was, you know, Bible believing. Uh, we, we study the word. We walk with the Lord and we're all inclusive uh, because we believe the word is all inclusive. And so we started our church and then, you know, did their church for about a year and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. And we, OK, there that's are... my long journey of. Yeah, of I mean, heartache that's... and tragic. And... 
it was an, an incredible journey. There's so much to unpack there. I just, yeah. you know, want to take a moment to reflect on it. Um, so there were there were a couple things that I wanted to like kind of go back to and address. Um, the yeah, the absolutely. first one the first one was um, one of the things that I hear a lot as a trans woman also is that um, there there's very frequently a conflation. Oh, that's the nicest word I can use. Uh, between trans people and pedophiles, which is obviously disgusting. Yeah. Have no idea where oh, that I've came from. I've been called a pedophile, child monster. Oh, same. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Was um, was there any like internalized version of that whenever you were like working with children, where you were like, "Oh my god, I can't do this because those people are." blank i mean it can be whatever it doesn't have to be a pedophile but was there any like internalized transphobia that you had to go through i don't think so like because because i didn't like have this like aha moment where i transitioned and, and was one versus the other and i've just always been who i've been and it's just yeah. kind of evolved i've always just I have a lot of integrity and I have a lot of love for people. And so um, I don't think I've ever personally had that. Now it's absolutely been projected on me. I have been sure. called a child molester. I've been, you know, I have three kids that, that I was a single mom raising them by myself. Right. You know, I have been called a child molester and abuser. My kids have been threatened. You know, my kids lives have been threatened when yeah. they were five, six, seven years old because I was trans. And it's like, you know, so I've had it projected on me. I've never really felt that, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, here's the weird thing as a, um, someone who's in the LGBT, because in Portland as a Christian, I'm, I'm the face of the LGBT movement to the church. and uh, But I never grew up around the LGBT community. I didn't know anybody. I'm sure I, I, I ran across trans people or gay, or like, but I didn't know anybody. I was in the evangelical movement. I was around conservatives. That was my, that was my comfort, my blanket, my safety blanket, and where my where my heart was. So um, it's interesting to be thrown into this now because uh, I'm really an outsider, though mm -hmm. I'm an insider, you know? Yeah. And no, so I mean, it's, it, that makes sense. I've been learning a lot. I've been learning a lot. Like I even had to learn like, you know, I all the terms. I didn't know any of the terms. Right. I didn't know, yeah. you know, gender non-conforming, the, they, and non-binary. I didn't know any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was a learning curve for me too, you know. I didn't yeah. know that trans people change their name seven thousand times, and you you learn <laughs> one, and it's changed six times, and it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I'm fortunate in that somebody asked me randomly one day, "Hey, um, if you were a girl, what would your name be?" And it was like an epiphany moment where I just knew it was Maddie. You know, I I I chose Madison later yeah. as kind of a fuller name because I want to have a name that sounds somewhat like a lawyer. Uh, Mark Andrew Crotzer IV is a very lawyer name, so I thought that I should keep that same vibe going into my transition. Um, but one thing that I also wanted to address, so you were talking about how you tried doing this, didn't really work, tried doing this, didn't really work, and then eventually you kind of yeah. landed on transitioning. So, and you also said your story didn't really, you know, conform to the stories that you see in like traditional media about trans people, where right. it's like, oh, I was looking in the mirror and I didn't see yeah. a woman, and I that played confused with real me. Toys. 
Yeah. So yeah. I had a pretty similar experience to that. Like I did do things that were somewhat feminine. Like I, I played with Barbies occasionally and I played house with my sister sometimes. Um, my big thing was clothes. I loved women's clothes. Um, but I mean, I, they are cute. I, yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, I, uh, but I never had like a, um, oh, well, somebody said he, but I, that's not right to me. You know, I never had one of those moments. Um, and, and I was, right. somebody told me this the other day and it, it kind of sh shocked me that I really agreed with it is, you know, most trans people have gender dysphoria, which um, for those that don't know is the, yep. the medical condition that m usually makes somebody want to transition. But another completely valid way right. of determining if somebody is transgender is to measure their gender euphoria whenever they start to transition. And I think that that was just a much more, you know, that I could identify with that more. So meaning gender euphoria, meaning whenever people address me as she or ma'am or Maddie, I get this warm sense of just like safety yeah. and, and love. Um, you know, if somebody called me Mark, like before transitioning, it didn't hurt. I just preferred for people to call me Maddie. It wasn't like it felt wrong. It just right. wasn't as like satisfying as being referred to as a woman. So anyway, all of that to say, I think that, you know, even if you don't like, not you specifically, Amy, but just anybody in general that's dealing with even like a small amount of dysphoria, my yeah. recommendation is experiment the way Amy did. Figure out what fits you, even if you're not on a binary system um, right. or a binary scale of, of gender, like you can find gender euphoria somewhere along um, the spectrum or outside of the spectrum. Just have fun with it. Yeah. And, and I think I had, I did have dysphoria, but it, sure. beca because it was through the process of elimination, like this isn't who I am. This isn't who I am. I've poured everything into, you know, rock and roll and that's not who I am and into this community. And so what would happen is um, I just, because I knew who, when I started to realize who I was, and this isn't, this isn't gender, this is just, you know, identity as a person, which we all go through, right? Um, then, then I started to realize, okay, um, I, I, know, I know who I am, and I would put these walls up, and the problem with these walls is it would, because I block people out because of the pain, because I didn't want them to know me, because if they know who I am, they're not going to love me, but the problem is they would get frustrated because they couldn't get to know me, and it would create this tension and so this is where the dysphoria i think kind of came into yeah. play because I, i'm i'm highly connected with people i'm an extrovert in every aspect of my life right so when you don't connect with people and i i can't just do shallow conversations like i can do that at the store but it doesn't satisfy me i need depth in my relationships and i yeah. wasn't finding that and i was struggling with that and so really that came to a, a crisis moment i mean i almost jumped off a bridge i was so the the dysphoria was so bad um, even my kids at that point wouldn't have been enough to stop me. Um, really came down to what else do I have to lose? I've lost the church. I've lost, you know, I don't like who, who I am now. Uh, so God, why not? You know, and, and, and the sad thing for me is, you know, um, I, I felt like I had to abandon my faith and abandon God in order to transition. And it was the hardest decision of my life. You know, and, and one of the things I love about our church is you don't have to abandon your faith or your traditions um, yeah. to be who you are, that God will honor that. And I believe scripturally will honor it. And we do something really cool in our church where 
when someone is trans, and I, I just love this so much, is when they when they finally pick in their chosen name, we even if they're baptized or not, we will baptize them in their new name just to bring honor to who they are as as people. And I love it so much because we've, I've baptized more people in the last, you know, two years than I have, you know, in the last 15. So it's just really beautiful to see just the life and that you don't have to leave the kingdom of God to do this. Like, it's just beautiful. This is beautiful. I think it's a really like powerful testimony that you, you know, you, well I don't want to say regret it but you were so devastated by the thought that you had to leave the church but like being who you are was that important and I and I think that that's important for people to know especially our listeners because um you know there are churches that will give the same choice that Amy was given that I probably would have been given if I had stayed at that Baptist church and most well maybe not most but a lot of people are going to choose to turn away from their faith if it means that they are going to be so dysphoric that they're going to hurt themselves or, or even kill themselves. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just a really powerful testament that people in the faith community need to be more like Deeper Waters or Centerpiece or Agape, right. where they can they can accept people for who they are. And look, even if even if it's a church that won't accept that somebody being trans is like, scripture scripturally okay um find a way to include that person in your church so that they are you know so that they can still have a sense of community and love um and i know that that's a hard thing to swallow but but you know we don't want people jumping off bridges or well i mean let's let's look at it this way like there you take 15 or 20 pastors from different denominations and who who all agree that they're christians and you say, okay, at the same time, tell me what your favorite worship song is. What's your favorite food? Um, what's your view on eschatology on the end time events? What's your, what's your view on the Trinity, on your view on baptism? And we're, no one's going to agree fully on it. You know, you have people sure. who say, I'm, I believe in the rapture. Some don't believe in the rapture. Some believe in the tribulation. Some don't believe in the tribulation. But we find a way in the, the, the body of Christ to come together on the things that we agree on. You know, and we we agree to disagree on a lot of things in the body of Christ. And and for me, uh, I think this is where the church really gets it wrong and where we struggle is we've we've turned the pastors into moral police. And really that's Jesus' job, right? Our our job is to shepherd the flock, to steward the flock, to teach the word of God. We are not there to teach them what our view is on um, I think that you're wrong and this and this and no, listen, this is Bring them back to Jesus. Bring them back to Jesus. This is what the word says. Bring them back to Jesus and stop trying to be the moral police. We're not good at it. We don't know people's hearts. We don't know their minds. God does. He's really good at this, you know? So just bring them to Jesus. That's Yeah. So um, uh, Amy says we, because she's the senior pastor at Deeper Water Ministries. And I want to touch really quickly on what the the mission of Deeper Water Ministries is. So... Deeper Waters Christian Ministries has to do a lot with the book that I wrote, which is, uh, you know, this one right here. Uh, also titled Deeper Waters. Very yeah, Building Bridges Over Cultural Conflict. So I think the mission of our church is to be a bridge between two worlds, the evangelical world and the, um, the LGBT community. Really, our, our mission is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that God loves people. Anybody can come to him. You know, there, there's, there's no one too far gone or too far away that can come to him. And so 
what we really want to do is bridge the gap between the two and have these conversations, these nuances between the two worlds, because I do believe that there's so much more similarity between the LGBT of faith or the, the evangelicals of faith than there are differences. And so really, we want to bridge that. As we launched this church, that was, that was the goal. But as, as we got our feet on the ground and really um, started to do the work, what, what I discovered and, and our leadership discovered is there's so much poison in the LGBTQ plus community that we that one of our primary focus is to get the poison out, just to get the poison yeah. out. You know, we've been taught that we're hated, that God hates fags, that you're not loved, that you're, 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 you're kicked out of your family, your churches, your businesses, your houses, you can't go to shelters. So we really just spend a lot of time getting the poison out and then showing God's love, showing God's love, showing the scriptures where he loves you, how he's demonstrated his love, you know? And, and so that's a big part of our, our mission. Uh, and then yeah. also going out there and, and, and duplicating healthy people, healthy people in the scripturally healthy people in the community and, and creating more. We have this, this thing in our church where we believe that you should always have someone in front of you and behind you, meaning you have a mentor in front of you and someone you're, you're discipling or raising up behind you so that there's always a growth track, you know? Yeah. That's really so that's kind of our mission is just to reach people, um, to love people and to, and to let them know that, Hey, just because the church hates you, or the church doesn't like you, or the church disagrees with you, uh, is not a reflection of who God is. Yeah. It's just not. You know, my kids do a lot of things that I don't approve of. You know, but if, if that was the relationship, if they were if they were the church and I was God, they can do things that that don't reflect my heart. Mm -hmm. And so, just because the church does something that is inappropriate or or bad or even damaging, isn't a reflection that it's God Himself doing that. Yeah, you know, it's fallen people doing fallen things. Sure. Um, speaking of your children, uh, how did your children feel about you coming out as trans? Um, I was smart. I did it when they were young. <laughs> <laughs> They've always known yeah. me as their mom. You know, I, I, it's so funny to me because like whenever I, I talk to, um, primarily people of faith, not just Christians, but people of faith, but in like kind of more conservative people in general, their, their thoughts are always like, protect the children, protect the children, protect the children. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, there was... I have never been insulted by a child. I've only ever been insulted by adults. You know, I've I've never been told well, by a child. You haven't been around teenagers then. <laughs> oh, okay. Let me clarify. I'm I thinking three like teenagers. prepubescent, you know. Uh yeah, yeah. You know, there was there was one time I was walking around um Oak Lawn where I, I've been attacked at Oak Lawn. So so you know, I'm still on my guard, even though that's the neighborhood um in, in Dallas. Right. And you know. I, I see this kid that's Great. like probably nine or ten ish. I'm walking with my friend, and uh, this kid runs up, and I don't pass uh, that well. I mean, I pass a little bit better now than I did. Passing meaning I don't look like a cisgender woman, um, but at the time I definitely didn't. But this little kid runs past me and just goes, "Hey, I like your dress." I didn't know that Aww. kid didn't care about my dress, but he was trying to be sweet and he was trying yeah. to be affirming. And just like the fact that this kid, yeah, no, no adult at this point uh, had come up to me and really been like, "Hey, I support you." But this kid did everything he could in in his mind to quickly tell a stranger that he supports her. And anyway, so for to those people that say protect the kids, protect the kids, uh, I'll posit to you that no child cares about my gender at all. They really and I don't. don't. Think they care about Amy's either. 
No. So my kids, I mean, they, they weren't free from, from trauma. You know, yeah. they're, they've experienced a lot of trauma too uh, from the church, from different people. So they literally had zero issues with, with it. Usually yeah. what would happen is it would be outside forces telling them certain things. And right. they, as kids, you're giving them an adult conversation that they, they didn't understand and they would wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. Um, all three of my kids walked out of the church when I got kicked out of my last church. They, they yeah. don't love God. They hate God now. They, they hate the church. Mm. Um, they, they're now atheists. Uh, because they saw the damage that that happened to me in the church when I got kicked out, you know, um, and so dealing with that has been been brutal. It's been yeah. it's been especially as a pastor, you know. Right. Um, your your book talks about this being a, a bridge between uh, the LGBTQ community and the evangelical yeah. community. Um, you referred to it in your book, which I want to say again. Um, it's titled "Deeper Waters," and it's available now on Amazon. Um, it is. It is. Yeah. I, is. uh, I'm really excited because I didn't know that your book was already out and I was like, oh, I need to order this. You, in, in your book, um, or at least in the description of your book, I'm waiting for my copy to come in now. Okay. Um, you, you referred to the, the infight or the fighting between LGBTQ mm-hmm. people and Christian or evangelicals as a war. And I was just wondering, yeah, yeah how, during your lifetime has that war changed well it's it's intensified so um i call it a culture war and a culture shift there's two different things that we're talking about so Mm -hmm. um what i have discovered is um i don't know what's changed but like i I, there was a big revival in the early 90s that's when i really started to like um and I, i think it was through like the calvary chapel movement but there was a big revival that was happening uh in American culture, I guess, with the church, evangelical church, uh, before they got into power, political power. And um, it was beautiful. It was, there was so much life that was produced from that. But what happened is we stopped, go, we somehow in, in church culture, we stopped trying to reach out to people and love people. Um, and we, we became to starting to hold our ground and fight for our rights. And something shifted. And what happens now in our culture, and I address this in the book, is we're, we're so busy accusing other people and throwing grenades at other people that we're at war with one another that, you know, we throw the grenade, we pull the pin, throw the grenade at the community, and then we go and praise the Lord over here, and we don't see the damage that's being done. And yeah. both sides does it, right? Both the evangelical sure. side and the LGBT, we're at war with each other. And so in my book, what I'm talking about is it's not a new tactic. This is something that's happened in cultures all throughout time. We had it with, uh, with um, if you were to read all of the pastors and what they said prior to the freedom of slavery, uh, blacks in America, they said, if you take slavery out of the Bible, then you're, you're, you're dismantling the whole entire Bible that, that the Christian faith is based upon this, right? So um, the same language that they used back then for women's rights, for um for slavery, for whatever it is, the people group that they're attacking, they're now taking that same language and they're using it for the LGBT, that if you include the LGBT, you're dismantling the faith. It's not going to be a recognizable Bible. You're taking everything that the Bible teaches. And we, we've stuck, we're kind of in the trenches on both sides and we're fighting each other. And, and, and the, the thing about the book is like, listen, we've got to come to a place where we, we disarm. It's going to be painful there's going to be damage. You're going to get hurt, but we've got to come back to the table. And then just some practical steps on how to do that um, to bring us back into the same conversation, just so we can, we can get an understanding of one another. 
you know. Yeah, in, in your experience, whenever you can get somebody who is um, evangelical and, and pretty entrenched in their beliefs, if you can get them to the table for a discussion, do you have success getting them to kind of understand the LGBT struggle, to getting them to accept LGBT people? I, I don't think it's an evangelical question. I think it's a person question. So if mm -hmm. it's people, right? So if you're talking to a wall, no. You know, but if someone is open and they're, and, and what I've discovered and primarily through Sally and the ministry that she does uh, and being a part of it, you know, the little piece that I have every now and again is when someone who's so hardcore orthodox uh, and, and I hold a, a, to a lot of orthodox conservative views. I, you know, I haven't left that foundation, but someone mm -hmm. who, who's so hard, like, no, no, it's an abomination. It's abomination that God can't love these people. It's a different conversation when it's somebody that, you know, when you find out that your child or your, you know, your cousin or your sibling is now in the LGBT because now it's no longer a uh, me against them. It's how do I love this person who, you know, the right way because I love them, you know? And so when they're in that place, it, I typically have a better uh, way of talking with them and, and sure. because the walls are down and now we're, we're looking at what do the scriptures actually say? Well, they don't see a lot of the things that the culture says. They just don't. We've read into the scripture, something that's not there. You know, yeah. um, and so it's getting that wall down, I guess, if that answers the question. Yeah, no, that it does. Um, and you you were talking about how the LGBTQ community also, you know, is is trying to wage war against Christianity. Well, I mean, that might absolutely. Be yeah. Okay. So I I want I didn't want to frame the the wording incorrectly, yeah, that's true. but yeah. Um, so one one thing, and you know, I, I don't mean to push back. I guess I just want your perspective. So yeah. to me, um, you know, Christianity has this political power. And, I, and I'm speaking yeah. about Christianity broadly, not just evangelicals, but, mm -hmm. you know, our current president is, is Catholic, you know. Um, so anyway, they have so this messy. political power. Um, and then and then you have LGBT people over on the other side who mm -hmm. just got, we just got our civil rights, you know, of Back. less than a year ago. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I, I would think that it's kind of to the LGBTQ side, it's sort of their war against oppressors. Are you? I, able, I don't disagree. I yeah. don't disagree. And, and how do you kind of, how do you bridge the gap on that side to try to get people to sit, like, release the hostility they have against those oppressors and, and sort of come back to the table? Well, my job isn't to bring them back to the oppressors. My job sure. as a pastor is to bring them back to God and, mm -hmm. and to talk about how God isn't like the oppressor. God isn't yeah. a tyrant. God isn't those things. So these are two separate conversations that I have. Now, when someone is no longer in that place of, of PTSD, now, again, PTSD doesn't ever fully go away. But when you're in a place where it's not crippling you and you want to have a conversation with someone else, I think that's where the bridge comes together, you know, but no, I would never take someone because here's the, here's a fact, you know, the oppressor oppresses and um, our, our feelings are valid. The things we've gone through are valid. I never want to discredit that, that uh, we have been through literal hell from the church. It has been really bad. People are dying from it. Uh, I, I can't justify it. I will not justify it. It is bad. But at the end of the day, if we don't disarm both sides 
and come together, the war will only get stronger and it, it will, there'll be more damage. The only way to come together is to have a conversation. And yeah. so um, that's the thing that, that I deal with that poison, getting that poison out because there's so much PTSD and, and rightly so, rightly so. I've been lucky and, and I've had it bad. You know, I, I just think people who have lost their families and their homes and their kids and their parents and yeah. You know, I, you know I, and I want to put this into perspective for people because, um, you know, and I, and I, I didn't necessarily want to do this on the, on the podcast because uh, it's not, uh, you know, this isn't the Maddie show. It's, it's the, the Amy show today. Um, but the centerpiece show. The centerpiece show, um, but you know, whenever you know you kick out your child for being gay or for being trans, or you don't support them, even even if you're not on board with it, if you don't support them and show them love, now to a parent, loving might be you know in your mind maybe you're thinking love is not allowing this person to transition. Well, I'm telling you as somebody who has almost no relationship with her father, with anybody on my like more religious side of my family, this is your future. I mean, you, you get people that just detest the church, detest your relationship with them. I mean, I just always want to encourage people to do what Amy's doing, which is make sure that the bridge is there so they, they can come back to you. I mean, yeah. deal with the trauma that you're dealing with because you have these feelings, but leave a door open for your child because it, it's heartbreaking whenever, you know, you're kicked out from your church, from your family. I mean, I just, I just always want to be clear about that because yeah, it can be gut-wrenching. I mean, I, this is where I struggle with it. Like we, we, we don't agree with um, someone who's LGBT, so we remove all of their support system. What's left? You know, the, the only place we can go is to places that may not be as healthy. Right. You're taking everything out from under that. Now, when we look at the scriptures, listen, the, the, the Israelites and God's people time and time and time again had left and did horrible things. And God has always left that bridge open. And, you know, he says, walk in the fruits of the spirit. What are the fruits of the spirit? Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, you know, not, not wrath and, and I hate you and get out of my house. And th that's not the fruits of, of, of God, our father, because, and this is something that I, that I learned early on. And, and we're all guilty of this too, by the way, you, me, all of us, um, we are so quick to judge people who do something that we don't struggle with. So if I'm not an alcoholic, it's very easy for me to condemn an alcoholic. Yeah. An alcoholic, when he's struggling with alcohol, he doesn't really judge people who are struggling with alcohol. He's, he's more gracious. He has more grace. So yeah. when we struggle with porn, we're gracious towards those who have porn, right? So if we don't struggle with, with sexual orientation or identity, which the mass population doesn't, it's an sure. easy target. Yeah because you can attack that. But the moment you struggle with it yourself, it's no longer, you know, God's judgment, it's God's grace. Right. Well, why don't we just start with God's grace right to begin with? Because that's, that's yeah. what words, you know, Romans chapter three, I think it's verse four, or maybe two, four. 
um, says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, you know? And so you want people to come uh, and repent if, if it's a sin. And I don't believe homosexuality is a sin. I don't think scripturally it is. But if you want people to, to come back into the fold, then show God's goodness. Don't show your wrath. Show God's yeah. goodness, you know? I mean, the scriptures are yeah. true. God's goodness. I, uh, I really, I don't know. I, I, clearly you do <laughs> clearly you do know because you know that was uh I, I could feel the passion but i could also feel the the knowledge um the scriptural knowledge so you said um you know the lgbtq community has gone through literal hell and yeah. that was the next huh. point that we were gonna discuss. We go. yeah um i went to a really good podcast school uh so whenever <laughs> Uh, whenever we started uh, our discussion before before we started recording, I told you that I was going to, you know, give you a story. Well, not not so much a story, but just a, a joke. You know, you said oh, I'm going to discuss hell with the atheist, and I said, uh, "Yeah, well, this is this is what I wanted to say. You know, threatening an atheist with hell is a lot like threatening a vegetarian with unicorn meat. It's just it's not really nice. something that we're concerned about." So um, I say that you know. Uh, I it doesn't actually matter to me personally what your views of hell are, but I'm I right. I on a personal level, but I am extremely interested because most of the people that I've had on so far are either Church of Christ or non-denominational. But I know, you know, somebody who come up, came up in a Baptist faith would more than likely believe in hell, and mm -hmm. I the vast majority of people that I spend time with don't actually believe in it at all. Right. So. So can you tell me what you're like, does hell exist? And if so, who goes there? So let me just say this. Um, there's beauty and diversity, yeah. right? So when you have multiple cultures and mul multiple cultures and multiple people with different views, you're not going to have the same views. And so um, I, I do lean more traditionally on what the scriptures talk about, uh, more conservatively about heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. um, I still think we've got it backwards. So uh, here, here's, this is how I look at it. God is a God of love. Okay. And a loving God has to also deal with justice or he's not mm -hmm. a God of love. For example, would I be showing love to my daughter, my, my teenage daughter, if someone sexually assaulted her? And then I, I said, well, that's bad. But I'm going to have this gentleman move in. And by the way, I'm going to go on vacation and he's going to watch you. Is that showing love to my daughter? Yeah, absolutely. No. Not. So a loving, uh, someone who has love is also going to want to have justice. So justice is important. You can't have love without justice. Because even, even people who don't believe in hell believe in justice. If someone commits a crime, there should be justice, retribution paid. So... When it comes down to a loving God, I do believe that God is not a tyrant, that he's not abusive, that he's not a, a sociopath, that he's not narcissistic. So when he says, come to me and you say no, and this is just a weak analogy, it would be abusive of God and a tyrant of God say, no, 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 you don't have a choice. You're coming to me. <laughs> I think God honors that. So. This is where, where the scriptures talk about heaven and hell, okay? Hell literally is being separated, cast out of God's presence. So okay. if you don't want to be with God, he's not going to force that. But here's the problem. God is his attributes. God is light. 
So if you're cast out away from him, you're going to be a place of no light. God is love. So that's, that's who he is. If you, if you say, no, I don't want that, and you're cast away from that, um, then you're in a place of, of no love. And you go through it. God is merciful, compassionate, gracious, right? He's life. So to me, the scriptures are really clear about heaven and hell. Um, Jesus talked three times more about hell than he did about heaven in the scriptures. And it's, it's really being cast out of God's presence. Now, God doesn't send people to hell. You know, just like, you know, if I, I say this with, with I've been in, in multiple relationships in my life, you know, when I have a lot of exes, you know, or I call them whys, why did I date them? What was wrong with me? <laughs> um, but, you know, when someone says, hey, Amy, I'm done with this relationship. I don't want to be with you. Then I'm going to be like, that's fine. Let me help you get your stuff out of the house. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like that. Like, you know, you don't want to be with me. Don't be with me. So hell scripturally is being outside of God's presence. He's not going to force you to, to spend time with him. Mm-hmm. Now he wants to have a loving relationship with you. The, the problem with heaven and hell is it, you know, it's, it's not an issue of if I'm good enough to get to heaven. Um, it's not a works issue. It's a grace issue. So um, it's based on the fall of man and sin. And, you know, like I've never had to teach my kids how to, how to do the wrong thing. They were really good at that. Uh, from from the first time, I had to teach them how to do the right thing. Yeah. So scripturally, what I believe is if you have atonement, which comes through Christ, you know, then yeah, you can be in a relationship with God and, and you're good. But if you refuse atonement and your sin is still that separating factor, he's not going to force himself to spend time with you. You're going to have to, you know, he's going to honor what you want. The problem is I don't think we see what we want because we, we don't see that God is in so many things. So atonement is a big thing. So hell, I do believe is real. Uh, I don't believe God sends people to hell. I think you have to go out of your way to, to be, to reject God. I mean, you, because he, he's always, the Bible says in Romans five chapter eight, that God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It means that he, he didn't just say, Hey, I love you from, from a shout in the sky. He literally said, I'm going to show you that I love you. And I'm going to have my son make atonement for your sin so that you have access. The scripture says, in, in I think it's second, it's first or second Corinthians. I think it's chapter five, verse 11. Um, I think it's chapter five, but it says that Jesus who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And, and so what that means is that um, when, when the man fell, and we can look, everyone's fallen. And I mean, I could I could prove to you in, in like four questions that you're not a good person. It's super easy to do. Um, I might do it just just for fun. Okay, yeah, it'll be a fun exercise. We could do it. Okay. So, uh, so Jesus, uh, we'll get to this. Will be fun. Okay. I think you'll like it. I think you about it. But when it says that Jesus became sin, and so what happened is our sin separates us from God. Just like with my kids, when they do something wrong, our fellowship is severed until that has been restored. Right? Like the, there's something severed there. So it says that Jesus became sin. What happened is we had this, we've put into, the, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, right? Romans 6, 23, the gift of God is eternal life. So it's almost like we have this spiritual bank account that we've been putting sin in and putting sin in and putting sin in. And what, what atonement is, is it takes that bank account full with sin that separates us and it, it removes it and it places it on Jesus. At the same time, it says he became righteousness or he gave us his righteousness. So having an empty bank account doesn't get us in relationship with God. 
because he has to have perfect righteousness to be in relationship with him. So Jesus now takes his righteousness and puts that into his account. So when then God looks at us through the blood of Jesus, he sees his righteousness in us. Now, this is the good person test. This is what I do to a lot of people. Okay. Oh, I, said, I, I said, I'll give you a thousand dollars if 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 you're a good person. And I've never given away a thousand dollars. Just so you oh, know, yikes. And okay. I, I have integrity. a thousand dollars. Am I allowed to lie? Okay. So, because we're going to talk about being a good person. So, my okay. first question is: Have you ever lied? Yes. What was that? What does that make you? Oh, you know what? If I should have said no, because that would have been another lie. I could have just cheated. Right. Okay, exactly. people do. Um, people do. Sure. Okay. Uh, what What does being a liar make me? Yeah. If you um, lie, what's that make you? Yeah, I mean, that's the context, though. Uh, I mean, a human. No, uh, you having a body makes you a human. If I lie to you, what are you going to call me? A liar. A liar. Okay, so a liar. So if I lie to you yesterday, am I still a liar today? If I lied to you yesterday? Mm, yes. Okay, so you're, so you're a liar. Have you ever stolen anything? Now, let me give you some advice here. Downloading music without paying for it. Uh, I can just say yes, because I've actually stolen things i went through a pretty bad phase whenever i was in high school so what what's that make you a thief no makes you a lying thief a lying thief oh gosh okay yes i'm a lying thief okay go ahead which we're all there we're uh, this is sure. this, this is the human nature right jesus yeah. said and i know that i'm talking to an atheist but but bear with me here jesus said that if you if you look at a person in a lustful way that you've committed adultery in your heart meaning that if you oh, look at someone gosh, and say, Man, i want to sex with them so according to Jesus' words, you'd be a lying, thieving, adulterer. Thieving adulterer, yeah. Jesus also said that if you hate somebody, that you've committed murder in your heart because you've killed them in your heart. Oh, you ever hated anybody even for a moment? Because I have. I've, I, right? Justice Scalia, just the worst yeah. human being I have ever heard of in my entire life. So I, I've lied. I've stolen. I've committed, you know, I've lusted after people. I've murdered in my heart. That's only four of the Ten Commandments. So here's the problem. Now, if, if God were to, um, based on, on just that profession there, and again, I understand where you stand, but yeah, based no, on th that alone, would, and it's really funny because I think you're going to give me the same answer that most people do. Oh, uh, no. Based on being a lying, thieving, adulterous, murder at heart, would you be found innocent or guilty? Uh, okay, wait, I'm sorry. Who's, who's judging here? Is God judging here? Yeah, let's just, say, let's just say a judge, you know, a perfect judge. I mean, I would think guilty. Guilty? So if you were guilty, would you go to heaven or hell? Just amuse me here. Hell. Hell. Oh, see, most people say heaven. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, Because they say God's a God of love. Right. You know? And I say, now, well, if God is a God of love, how hmm. can a loving God allow a rapist, a child molester, a murderer, a thief into his kingdom and, with his yeah. kids? You know, yeah, and and so that's that's the thing about none of us are innately good. None of us are. You know, it doesn't take a lot. You know, I've told so many lies in my life as a even as a pastor, I've lied. You know, not intentionally, but yeah. I've I've done so much wrong. You know, and so that's the problem. That's what separates us from from being in a relationship with God. Because if God God is perfect righteousness, you know, if God says, "Hey, I'm going to let Maddie in because I like her." But I'm not going to let this person in because they're a murderer. I mean, that, that makes him a tyrant because sure. now he's picking favorites. He's not basing it on justice. So mm -hmm. if you stand before a court of law, let's say you committed a murder and you're standing in the court of law, 
this is a legal judge. This is here on okay. earth, normal judge. And uh, it was, you're caught on camera, you confess to the crime, you, you, you killed a whole family, you slaughtered them. And the judge says, okay, Maddie, uh, you've given us your confession. We've got the evidence. It's so overwhelming that you're guilty. Uh, do you have any last words before I sentenced you? And if you were to say, well, judge, I perceive that you're a good judge. And based on your goodness, you know, I've tithed to the church. I've mowed my neighbor's lawn. I've given to the poor. I've helped. You know, he's like, stop. None of that matters because that doesn't deal with the, the, what you did. All of that good stuff is irrelevant. We're not talking about that. We're talking about retribution for what you did, you know? And so it's the same kind of concept, which is why we need atonement which okay. is why we need, because, because the reality is this, if I, and again, it's a weak analogy. These are just weak analogies. That's um, best I can do in my human. Look, they get, they but, get the point across. Yeah. But if I, let's say I ran a red light and uh, I got, you know, one of those tickets, you know, in the mail and mm -hmm. I go and I go before the judge and I'm guilty. And he says, Hey, the fine's $300, um, you know, or you're going to jail. Uh, legally, he, he can have someone else pay that fine. Like my mom can come in and pay that fine for me and let me go. I can yeah. be letting go because the pine, the, the pine, the fine's been paid. So traditionally, this is what I believe about, you know, being a good person or not. It's irrelevant. No one's good. There's no okay. one good. The Bible says that in Romans chapter three, that none is good. All have got turned bad. None of us are good. And it's that, that perfect standard of righteousness that keeps us out of heaven because okay. God's not a dictator. And okay, no, that's fine. That was really interesting. I've, I've never, you know, I mean, even in my Baptist upbringing, I, I've been told, you know, you're a sinner, you're like going yeah. to hell and stuff unless you do X, Y, or Z. But nobody's ever really fleshed it out like that. So that that was interesting. Um, yeah. The So the question I have, uh, well, the first question I have, uh, whenever you say atonement, does that mean being saved? Like, what, what, what does atonement yeah, mean? So atonement is... How do you explain it this way? Um, atonement means someone stepping into your place. They're paying the fine for you. So okay. you're guilty of something. It's like that. It's like going in before a judge and atonement would be the judge saying, hey, you are guilty as charged of running this ticket. But that judge happens to be your father. So he takes off his robe and says, bye. I'm going to pay the fine for you. He's made atonement for you. He, okay. He's dealt with that separation, that, that, that. Because then God can be fully just because a loving God has to be a God of justice or he's mm -hmm. not loving. I mean, think about all there's 70,000 unsolved murders in America. Those things yeah. should come to terms. There's, there's people who are, are being sex trafficked. Those things should be judged and rightly so. Yeah. You know, so God so, can judge and, and go ahead. Oh, sorry. Well, my, my question was just going to be, so, um, you know, if, if somebody is, Okay, well, let's take, let's, I'm going to do like a comparative thing here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm an atheist, and despite your test, I think I'm a decent person. I don't think I'm, a, I wouldn't consider myself a good person, but I think I'm a, I'm a decent person. Um, and, you know, the caveat that I want to make is I, I didn't choose not to believe in God. I just, I can't make myself believe in something, you know, like if I told you that there was, you know, something that I could see behind you that you couldn't, I can't make right. you believe that um of course so, so somebody will yeah so somebody like me who 
I mean, I go to church every week. I do a podcast for a nonprofit, <laughs> you know, uh, trying to get LGBTQ people it. back to the church. Yeah. So, so somebody I like me it. versus somebody who like at least professes to be, mm -hmm. you know, an upstanding Christian has accepted Jesus, um, prays every night, goes to church somewhat regularly, right. but is a sex trafficker, is a murderer who hasn't been caught, something like that. Are both of us going to hell? Um, am I going to hell at all? Like, who, who goes to hell in this scenario? So it, it always comes back down to atonement. Jesus said in, in John 3.16, one of those famous verses, For God mm -hmm. so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting mm -hmm. life. The next verse, verse 17, for God did not send his world or son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. So I believe that through the bloodline of Adam, because everyone's fallen, everyone's already condemned. We're already innately bad. Okay. So we have to come into a relationship with God. I don't think you just have a relationship with God. You have to come into a relationship with God. My okay. son's an atheist. We have these interesting conversations. Um, and, and I'm like, okay, because he's like, God doesn't exist. And I'm like... And he's, and he's a teenager, so I'm like, can you just, as a teenager, can you just use some logic just for a second? I was mm -hmm. like, I'm not asking you to believe. I'm just, can you just use some, some critical thinking? And he goes, sure. I said, and, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I go, do you know everything? And he's like, no. I'm like, okay, cool. Do you know half of everything? I mean, DNA and, and space and, and medical science and no, I don't know half everything. I said, son, is it possible? Is it even a possibility that God lives in the half that you don't know? And he's like, well, yeah, it's a possibility. Sure. I'm like, so to say that God doesn't exist is, is not necessarily a plausible thing, right? It's, it's just you haven't come into contact with this God that we are saying that exists. And yeah. that's fair. That's totally fair, you know? Uh, but to, you know, I tell someone that because I'm in a relationship and they're like, no, you're not. I never met your boyfriend. I'm like, well, just the fact that you haven't met my boyfriend doesn't mean I'm not in a relationship. You know, right. I, I have a relationship with my boyfriend. Like I see him all the time. We, yeah. So again, it's just like that maybe you haven't come into that side of it yet, you know, and, and that's fair because I've been there, you know, nothing wrong with, with, with anything. It's just, there's, there's sure. a possibility. So, so. I apologize to anybody that can hear the dogs barking in the background of this podcast. Yeah, I, I've tried to mute myself as regularly <laughs> as I can, but I have to do my job and these dogs won't stop. Um, so, uh, I know yeah, hell is so a controversial I, topic. No, oh, no, I mean, for, for what it's worth, and I want to tell anybody that can't see my face that's listening on, you know, Anchor or Apple, whatever. So, yeah. I've I take no offense to any of this. I, I'm yeah. genuinely fascinated. Um, <clears throat> so, I love one that, of the, by the way. Oh, thanks. Um, I mean, it's why I do this, honestly. I yeah. mean, like, I, I'm i not going to get famous off of, <laughs> off of the Centerpiece podcast. I just, I really want to learn. And Sally was right. like, oh, it's a good premise for a podcast. So, okay. It's great. Um, so, uh, I'm, oh, right. I wanted to tell everybody at home kind of the difference between being an agnostic atheist and a Gnostic mm -hmm. atheist. So based on what Amy had just said, and it seems like this is flipped, but just based on what she said about her son prior to their discussion, he kind of identified himself as a Gnostic atheist, meaning yeah. he, he professes to know that there's no God. I fall into a camp of agnostic atheists, yeah. meaning uh, I don't 
believe in a god but i wouldn't claim to know right. that god doesn't exist so that's like an interesting difference that i didn't know whenever i went through my militant atheist phase uh where i was you know it's so funny oh, we've all gone, i've gone through it too whatever you know so you probably know like whenever you go through this phase like you there's this kind of uh tendency to be hyper literal about the bible i mean like which, you know, it's interesting because you don't believe in anything that the Bible says, but, like, <laughs> anytime you have a conversation with a Christian, you have to make sure that you point out every single uh, potentially ridiculous thing, like right. the donkey speaking in that in, in the alley or whatever. I, yeah, I don't really remember the, the story very well, but anyway, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm an agnostic atheist, and I, at least as of right now, don't believe in a God, but I do have somewhat of a relationship with God should he exist because How I does do that work? things. <laughs> well, you know, like, let's say, for example, okay, to, to use an analogy as close to the ones that you've used as possible, um, you know, if I'm, um, like, if I'm regularly helping somebody that I don't know, like, let's say that I, like, go to Starbucks and I, and I leave, you know, money for the person behind me so that they can yeah. have a free drink um you know i'm still engaging with that person i have no idea who that is i don't know who they are no, that's fair would, yeah would would you say that um there's like is it something like you have to both believe and engage with in a relationship with god or if you're you know even somebody like myself who's unintentionally engaging in god's work um is, is that considered a relationship with God? So I, I guess it's, for me, a definition of relationship is being in relationship. Like, mm -hmm. like if I was in relationship with my husband, well, I'm not married, my boyfriend, sure. I, 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 there'd have to be something there. Like yeah. we'd have to go on dates. We'd have to like have some kind of communication back and forth. It's not really a relationship. Yeah. It's, you know, relationship is a two-way street, I think. Yeah. Um, that, that doesn't mean that I don't set myself up to like position myself to, um, you know, send an email one way and, and, in hopes of being in a relationship. But I think relationship is exactly that it's relational. It's, it's yeah. a back and forth kind of concept. And so one of the things I guess that, um, throughout my life, so I, I've heard people that have said, you know, the same things that you're saying, but in a much less like nuanced intelligent yeah. way like just kind of like oh you're an atheist you're going to hell and that's like that's it just cutting cutting done that's stupid. it stupid so so somebody um like myself like let's say that i go the rest of my life trying to believe in god and it just doesn't happen w to me that seems unfair that i would go to hell is does fairness matter from my perspective in this or is it just like you did not believe in god so like you like you're cast out and i, I want to know something also so, oh, hold on i'm sorry before yeah. you answer this question in my mind despite what you know you're you, you painted a really interesting picture of hell that i've never perceived but i still think of like hellfire and brimstone right like i think of like a guy with a pitchfork and like horns and like a tail what, that's not even bible that's stupid sure. <laughs> do you okay so like hell in in you know in your view is is just the absence of like all that is good and and loving and stuff it's the absence of god it's a, right you know if you if you say i don't want to be in relationship with god and he says okay you i'm going to honor that and 
pack your bags and go. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that is his attributes, you're going to be outside of his attributes. Yeah. So his attributes are everything that sustains us. I mean, he's life, you know, yeah. all those things that we talked about. I think it's kind of interesting because I almost feel like I'm in like a similar situation as like the celibate gay movement where like I, you know, it kind of feels like I'm actively pursuing a relationship with God, but like I can't really get there because, um, you know, I, I just don't believe in it. So, okay. I'm sorry. I just want to circle back. So like, no, like me. Yeah. So do you, do you think that, um, despite like a lifetime of like pursuing this relationship just because I can't believe does that does that matter at all because again to me it seems unfair it's, it's a it's a weird premise to ask a question because it's like um, I'm pursuing a relationship with this person that I don't believe exists right so how can you pursue how can you pursue a relationship with something that doesn't exist no, I know, and it, and that's that's kind of like I'm I'm faltering here in in the sense yeah. that you know I just like I, I don't think that I'm in a situation that most people have ever been in. Um, right. I don't think most atheists do like as much no. Christian related work <laughs> as I do. Um, so you know that could be you're that could unique be a in that way. Yeah, that could be a question for you know the next time that we have you on the podcast. But I just you know I just I'll, I'll yeah. think about it and you know. I think it, it comes back down to atonement. Like our sins yeah. separate us from God. And, mm-hmm. you know, separating from God is part of like, if I'm separated from God, of course, I'm not going to believe in God. I'm separated from him. Yeah. So I think, um, I believe that God, that, you know, God is um, missional, that God reaches out to people, that God will reveal himself to you. And I do believe that, you know, we have a, a responsibility as his church, as his people to know God and make God known you know, and to mm-hmm. do it intelligently, you know, not just like, Hey, you're going to hell, you know, because you're gay. That's so stupid. It's not even in the Bible, like, <laughs> but like having intelligent conversations and being okay to agree to disagree, you know, this is part of the nuances yeah. of diversity. Right. Right. Um, so it, I just, it's impossible. I just think it's, 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 I don't want to say impossible. It's, it's challenging to say that I'm pursuing a relationship with somebody who I don't know. I'm just, pursuing a relationship you know because a relationship's a two-way street yeah so i think okay so the the way that i'll word it is i i am open to god i am i am receptive if i like kind of feel his presence um yeah yeah and and you know that's something that that i think i've been open about really since like i think after my militant atheist phase um you know during that time i was definitely like a gnostic atheist i was like i you know, have to make sure all these Christians know I'm an atheist. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, I I want to I want to wrap it up because we're <laughs> we're at an hour and thirty five minutes. But oh yes, I, we're killing it. I say this with all of my podcast guests, but I really mean it. I just want to <laughs> keep talking. Um, it's good. So, do- it's good conversation. Good dialogue. It is, and and I'll say to anybody who is um, wondering you know, how I got from a Gnostic atheist to an agnostic atheist, which, you know, might be like kind of a win in a Christian's book is people like Amy and Sally and, um, and Candace, John Ogren, who's, um, you know, the, the pastor of the church that I go to weekly. It's literally just feeling loved by people because, and, you know, this is, 
coming from somebody who doesn't believe in God, that's as close as I can get to feeling the love of God is through people. And I think Amy would probably back that's me amazing. up here. That that's yeah yep. how how this works. This that's how people come back to the church. So I agree. Yeah, great. So I mean, look, despite the fact that you know we clearly disagree on on religion. I mean, I disagree with the religion of everybody that comes on this, but I, it makes me happy that right. we can have these like happy um, discussions about hell. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, <laughs> that's get along. just an oxymoron. <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a confusing it. coming out. Um, okay, great. Well, Amy, can you tell everybody one more time, uh, the name of your ministry and where they can go to, um, to be a part of it? Yeah. So our church is called Deeper Waters, plural, Deeper Waters Christian Ministries. We are in Beaverton, Oregon. Our website is www.deeperwaterscm, because we didn't want to write Deeper Waters Christian Ministries too long, yeah. deeperwaterscm.com. On there, you can get our book, you can get our church CD, all of our teachings are on there. Um, I think the centerpiece teaching that I did is on there, uh, on our homepage. So uh, all of our information is there, contact, everything's there. Um, yeah. Yeah, deeperwaterscm.com. And uh, do you have any social media you want to plug? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. And, and I, uh, here's why. Here's why. I get a lot of hate. So uh, I, I just kind of, I just put it all towards the church site and then let them go from there. I don't have nearly as many eyes as, as you do, and I get plenty of hate myself. So oh, I, I do so not blame you at so. all. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, please, everybody, check out Deeper Waters. Um, is it... Is Deeper Waters a, I know it's a ministry. Do you do any like nonprofit work? Is there somewhere where people can go to like donate to kind of help um, like project your message if if they want to? Yeah, I mean, we're, so it's it's this weird thing with the pandemic and then a church launch. We're a church. It's a, an actual okay. church, 51C3 church. We do, we are in the, in the process of working with the Oregon Food Bank and trying to get um, set up with them so that we can go out uh, because they, they've got good, like, food banks that people can go to. We kind of want – what we want to do is take food to actual houses because a lot of people don't drive okay. and be able to, to to be able to do that themselves. So there's things that we're doing like that. We do missional work. We're trying to get engaged in other things. Okay. A lot of things shut down because of the pandemic. But, yeah, no, we do all so, kinds of work. It's all on so our So one site. thing – yeah, okay. So then I would recommend if somebody wants to donate to kind of help that mission – maybe go to the Oregon Food Bank and donate to them so that they can afford yeah. to like include um, Amy's uh, ministry. And I would oh, like to say this, a hundred percent of Deeper Waters, including myself, are volunteers. I have mm -hmm. a, se a separate job that pays my salary. So all money that goes to Deeper Waters goes back into, it goes into no salaries. And, and we do this yeah. intentionally because uh, our community really struggles with, with and, and there's nothing wrong with Christians making, you know, being, being paid for the work they do but mm -hmm. we all of us a hundred percent of us do not take a salary at the church it's all volunteer based yeah. uh intentionally I, yeah i think that that's really amazing i uh i'll say one thing that not many people talk about uh whenever you know the the gay movement like specifically gay movement was happening kind of the the forefront of that was white cis cisgender gay men and they generally were a little bit more affluent um, 
and now because the LGBTQ community is more inclusive and broader and, and well, not that it's broader now, but just that it's um, more visible, we know that the LGBTQ community struggles financially. I mean, that we're true. one of the poorer communities um, in, in the world uh, and in America specifically. So I think that that's really important that it's not like, you know, there's no real financial incentive for you to do this. It's really just a, a work of love. That's really, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Work of love. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, Amy, it's been really amazing talking to you. Um, I'll, for the last time today, I'll just kind of plug centerpiece and say, uh, please donate to centerpiece. Yes. If, um, yeah. I mean, we, we want to bring people like Amy back to E3 and maybe this time she uh, won't curse the uh, the internet and cause us to lose all connection with her. Um, so <laughs> centerpiece.net slash donate or go to deeperwaterscm.com. Um, uh, Did I get that right? Deeperwaterscm, yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to donate to them, just, you know, get, get these ministries off the ground so that yeah. they can, you know, spread a, a message of love. Absolutely. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you, Amy. Thank, Thank you for everybody. being here. All right. All right. Well, I hope you have a good weekend. Stay safe. You too. God bless you. Bye. See what I did there? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>